So there was a French philosopher during the French Renaissance, and his name is Michel de Montaigne, and he said this, My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. Now you think about that statement for just a second, right? What, what a terrible, terrible disposition on life. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune most of which never even happened. We call these people today Debbie Downers, right? Like, I mean, that's those people that they just have this negative outlook on life. Or there's this other thing that takes place in people, and that's this thing called worry. And we have chronic worriers uh, amongst us, and you probably uh, know some chronic worriers. Dr. Robert Lee spent ample amounts of time studying this very disposition, the personality trait of worry. And his research, pay attention to this, please. His research revealed that 85% of the things people worry about never happened. And within the 15% that did happen, 79% of the subjects discovered Either they could handle the difficulty uh, better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misconceptions. 97% of what you worry over is not much more than your mind punishing you with these misconceptions. Worry. It's the personality trait that we all have in common on some level. No one is exempt from worrying at some point in time in their life. So I was curious what most people worry about this uh, day and age. And so I did some research in two forms. Uh, The first being I went to the ever-reliable World Wide Web. uh, And then the second, I did ask some people, uh, our sermon team being part of that, hey, what are the things that cause worry or concern in your life? And here's what people worry about the most. Finances. Every group that I talked to, whether it was I'm researching articles online or I'm looking at lists online, or I'm talking to people, finances is one of the first things that come up. Looks, right? Looks are something that people worry about. I know what you're thinking. Michael, we wish you worried a little bit more about your looks. Health is another thing that people worry about. How about this? Inclusion. Am I going to be invited to the thing? Am am I going to be included in the something that is taking place? Or how about this one? What other people think about me? Job security. I know some of you aren't this place yet, but wrinkles. Something that people worry about. I don't understand this one personally, okay? But my pet's health. That's something that people are concerned about. They worry over their pet's health. Um, This one I do understand. My children's mental 
emotional and physical development. Certainly something that people worry about. And if any of those have not spoken to you, and they've not worried about any of those, this one is going to get you right here. The state trooper following me down the highway. Because every single time that has happened, whether you're innocent or not, man, it's 10 and 2, and you're checking, and you're dialed in on that speed, and you're making sure that you're good. Yep, we've all been there. Our, our servant team also participated in this study, and here is what they said people worry about. Uh, finances, first thing. When we were discussing this, finances. Uh, our children, their salvation, their growing and maturing in their faith, their wandering from the faith. Uh, job security is a big thing. Uh, relationships, worldly possessions, and then what people think. So I, I think you can see the, the, the crossover there, some of the commonalities between the two lists, and it's real. Like these are things that people worry about. But Jesus asked this question when it comes to worry in Luke 12, verse 25. He says, in which of you, by being anxious, same word, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? He asked the question to his audience. Who can add a single hour of life? Or who can make life any better by worrying over things? And we know the answer to this, don't we? Of course, you can't add a single hour to your life. You can't. So why then do we worry so much? And why are some people just chronic worriers? So the biblical word for worry is marry no. Okay, that's, that's the biblical word in Philippians 4 when we get to it and what Jesus uses right here. And it means this. It means to be pulled in different directions. Which, if you use a little hindsight, and you think about things in your past that you have worried about, things that you have been consumed with, you can probably relate to that feeling of being pulled in different directions. See, when we worry, our thoughts are literally being pulled in different directions, at which point we are rendered useless. Jesus says this when he talks about money and he, he's talking about why you're worrying about things and he talks about money on the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, why are you trying to serve two masters? That's what we do when we worry. It takes us away from God. When we worry, we are taking things out of God's hands and we are taking control. See, there's a difference between worry, which is being consumed over something out of our control, and having a concern over something. We're going to talk about the concern things in just a moment. All right? But Satan hopes that you will worry over issues because it is consuming and it takes us out of the presence of God. I love this Mark Moore quote. We read it in our essay this week. We play God and find ourselves overwhelmed by the pressure. Worry is toxic to our souls because it blinds us to what God has done and it blocks us from what he could do. All because we focus on ourselves rather than God. Our craving for self-sufficiency disables trust. 
toxic to our souls. And I won't say anything truer than this right here, because we focus on ourselves rather than God. It is our craving for self-sufficiency which disables trust. And here's the interesting thing that most Christians face in the relationship with God. We trust him with our salvation. We trust him with eternity. We say, okay, God, you sent your son to die on this earth for my sins. And if I believe in you, right, if I do my part, then I get eternity. You're telling me, God, that if I do this right here, because you did this, because you sent your son, and because of grace that has been extended to me, if I respond in this certain way, you're going to grant me salvation forever. God's like, absolutely. And we say, sign me up. I trust you, Lord, with my eternity. But then you want to know what happens? We run into some struggles, some issues with our finances. It's like, I trust you with my salvation, but I don't trust you with my finances. Because here's the thing. You ask me to give you some money back. Well, you know, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's the mortgage. There's, there, I'm overextended on my credit cards. There's school debt. There, there, there's all of these things over here and over here and over here that I can't give back to you, Lord. Sorry, I can't do it. And so I'm going to trust you with my finances, but I'm not going to trust you with my money. Oh, you've always provided a job, and I've got these job issues right now. You know, I'm, I'm really not happy right here and what I've got going on. So I'm, I'm looking, and there's some opportunities, and it's like, you know what? Uh, rumor has it that they're going to make some cutbacks. And God has provided for every single thing, but you know what? We're not going to trust God with our job security. Or our relationships. And, and when things go wrong in these areas. We are consumed. With how we should handle it. Our desire. To be in control. Disables trust. And we worry about these things. And the only person that you can. That can control the amount of worrying. That you do. Is you. Amanda and I are pretty much complete opposites when it comes to worrying over issues. Like, like she wishes that I would worry some. Um, and I do. She swears that I never worry over anything. And I swear that she worries over every single thing. And I would love the ability to take the issues that cause worry in her life and remove those from her. So that she never had to deal with them. But we all know the reality. I'm the only person who controls how much I worry. And few behaviors sabotage our effectiveness more than worry. And as Mark Moore calls it, the pandemic is treatable. Because it's internal. No one forces you to do it. No one but you can fix it. And no one but you is fully aware of the extent of it. Our worry is precisely that. It's ours. And our core verse 
Philippians 4, 6 challenges us. I mean, he, Paul makes no bones about it. There's no mystery here to what Paul is saying. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. The command is don't worry about anything. I have exegeted this verse, this word over and over and over and over and over again. I've tried to find loopholes. Do you know what the word anything means here? Huh? It means anything. Don't worry about anything. One of my biggest fears, one of the things that consumes me, and I don't know why, okay? I, I don't know why in this way. But I always pray over your safety during the holidays. Okay? Like, I, 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 people traveling on the road, that is, I mean, that's one of those things that, man, Lord, I mean, we got the Evans. They're coming back this week. I know the Halls were over in Georgia, and the Browns are off somewhere, and Kyla Joe's over in Mississippi, and there's, there's other people doing things. I, I'm not even sure. But, man, that is one of those things that, Lord, please, my own son today is coming back from Auburn. And as I even say that, my heart kind of skips a beat a little bit because he, he's coming back from Auburn, and he's a college kid. And I know what he did last night. I mean, he stayed out. Well, I don't know what he did last night, but I know this. I know he stayed out till 1.30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, even if he came in by 4 o'clock. It wouldn't surprise me. And he's going to supposedly get up and go to church with somebody, you know, three or four hours worth of sleep, and then he's going to get in the car, and he's going to drive home. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You're driving home three and a half hours away, he better be three and a half hours away. Um, made it 2.45. Um, <laughs> all the more reason to be worried. And he's going, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Traffic is going to be escalated. And I'm telling you right now, that's one of those things. People traveling, and especially my own child, that he is out there and he's on the road. And I'll get consumed with it. And Paul says right here, you do not worry about anything because there's nothing I can do. Don't worry about the final that is coming up. Don't worry about the bills. Don't worry about that job opportunity. Don't worry about the test results that you're waiting on from the doctor's office. Nothing. You have to worry about anything. Instead, you are to pray about everything. And it says you are to tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Church, worry is the consumption of our thoughts. And for some people, it can be overwhelming. And so there's a difference. There's a difference between being concerned over something and worrying over that same something. Concern puts issues on the radar. Hey, you're aware of the issue. You do your part to handle or to take care of the issue, but then you turn it over. You got a final coming up and you're worried? Well, your part is not to wait to the last minute to cram the, the night and the hours before hoping that you're able to retain enough information to get a decent grade. Your part is to prepare 
weeks and days in advance for that final. That that's your part. Oh, we got bills that are due and we don't know how we're going to get the money. You know what? Your part, okay, is not to ignore it. Pastor said, just don't worry about anything. Pray about it and let it go. No, you still have a part to play. You need to be responsible with what needs to be done. If you're overextended, you need to be calling the creditors and saying, I'm going to work this out somehow. If you're really behind, I'm going to get a second job. I'm going to do my part, but I'm not going to be consumed with the issue. Because all that does is take me away from God. And so concern says, hey, there's an issue and it's on the radar. And I'm aware of the issue and I'm going to do my part to handle or take care of the issue. But then you turn it over. My part with Griffin. Preparing him to drive from Auburn by himself. It's been, hey, we're going to be going through 16 years old. 15 years old, 15 years old, we're going to drive through Atlanta to get to where we're going. Griffin, you're driving this leg. Here's what you're going to do. It's doing everything in advance to prepare him. That's been my part. And when we neglect the part, when we neglect what we're supposed to be doing, guess what? Worry seems to be a lot more frequent. Worry starts to to set in a whole lot more. But here's what we're to do. We're not to worry about anything. Here's the issue, Lord. I've done my part, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn it over to you. You pray about it, and you tell God what you need. The difference between worry and concern is one consumes and the other doesn't. So, it's real simple, right? Do not worry about anything. There it is. Go in peace. Well, how do we do this? If, if you're a worrier, how, how do, what are some things that I can do? If you have something that is consuming your thoughts, I, I want you to try these things. And I want you to try all of them. Like, I, I think these four things, they've definitely worked in my life, and I want to encourage them for your life, too. First thing, you write down everything that you're thankful for. Write it down. Everything. Your pantry's full of food, I'm thankful for that. You got a roof over your head, I'm thankful for that. I've got clothes in the closet, I'm thankful for that. I got new tires on the car, I'm thankful. Whatever it is, whatever you can think of, you write it down and you be specific and you place it before you so that you can read the list of things that you are thankful for. That's the first thing you need to do. Got something that's consuming me right now. Write down everything that you're thankful for. The second thing you do is you pray about the issue that is consuming you. You bring it before the Lord. Lord, Griffin's driving today. And if he's not the crazy driver, there's a lot of other crazy drivers out there. Lord, I, I, would you please watch over and protect him? Would you please watch over and protect the other people? That, that he's going to be passing. He's not going to be passing. He's going to be in the right lane. God and people are going to be passing him. Would you just protect those people as they pass him, right? You pray about the issue and you bring this issue before the Lord. And then you leave it there. 
And then, Mark Moore said something, and this is so true. Because what we focus on will determine the direction our thoughts go. Read the Bible. I was thinking about this in my life. When, I, when I've looked back on my life, there have been five or six things that I can recall that, man, I was really and truly worrying over. The transition year, starting life bridge. That, man, there were things that entire year that, man, I mean, they kept me up at light night. They caused some of this gray hair. Kids, my own relationship with my wife. I mean, there have been things in my past that have, have led to me worrying And for whatever reason, I felt the need to be in the Word of God, just reading stories. Read the Bible. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make a list, be specific about the things we're thankful for. The second thing we're going to do is read the Bible. The third thing that we're going to do, I'm sorry, the third thing we're going to do is we're going to, my gosh, I butchered that. The first thing is to write down everything that we're thankful for. The second thing is to pray about the issue The third thing is to read the Bible because what we focus on determines the direction of our thoughts. And then the fourth thing is do something to be active. Don't just sit there in front of the TV and watch this and think it's going to go away. Do something to be active. Take a walk. It's interesting to me that when Jesus teaches on worry, he uses nature. Take a walk. Get out into creation. If you don't want to take a walk, if the weather's not good, clean the house. Clean the baseboards. They probably need to be cleaned. Better yet, do something nice for your neighbor. Serve someone else. Do something to get you up and out of the place that you are. Do something to be active. As you do those things, it's not going to immediately... Eliminate worry. Because the first moment you come back and you have a quiet moment and your mind is able to just relax, you're going to go back to that. Until you get to the point where you no longer, you no longer are a chronic worry and you worry over anything, you're going to have to repeat this process over and over and over and over again. But I promise you, when you start doing what Philippians 4, 6 tells us to do, you're going to see worry disappear. And then here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about the blessings from God. With our obedience come blessings through this promise. What's Philippians 4, 7 say? The very next thing. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, as you don't worry about anything, and you pray about everything. With thanksgiving in your heart, you bring these things before the Lord. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And remember this about Paul's words here. Remember this about the author. He's been abandoned. He's alone. He's in prison. He has faced great suffering. He has faced shipwreck. He has faced many extremes more often than any one of us might face in our entire life. This guy has faced some serious stuff, and yet he sits in a jail cell, and he writes these words, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. 
And you know what happens? Whether you're floating in the Mediterranean Sea holding on to a log because the ship that you're on, because the mission of Christ has taken you there, is busted up. And in that moment of waves bouncing you up and down, do you know what you get? The peace of God. Do you know what you get when you quit worrying about things and you hand it over to the Lord? The peace of God. You may not be removed from the situation. Right? You may not be taken right out of it. And God may choose to let you face the consequences of whatever you're in for whatever reason you're in it. He may let you, but you can go through that with the peace that transcends all understanding. The peace that defies all logic. I love what Isaiah wrote. I close with this. You keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind has stayed on you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Let me say that again. You keep him in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. My question to you as we leave right now, do you trust the words that Paul wrote? God, I know it's a simple statement. It's a simple command. Don't worry about anything. It's not complex. But Lord, it sure is hard to pull off. We live in a broken world and we oftentimes are the reason that we worry about things. We're the cause of a lot of the worry in our lives. Father, I pray that just as we mature and we grow in our faith, we're not going to worry about stuff. I mean, it's not going to benefit us at all. But what does benefit us is being in your presence when we're going through the storm, when we're going through the issue, God. That, that's what is beneficial to us. Not to be consumed about how we can handle it or what we can do to fix this or, or manipulate this and take care of this, God. Those things that we get consumed with, Lord, they're of no use. They benefit us none. But what does benefit us is to bring it before you and to enter into your presence. And so, God, that's what I pray we can establish. Worrying over my marriage, worrying over work relationships will benefit me none. So, Lord, Help us to follow Paul's advice. Pray about everything. Come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts for what you've already done for us. Trust in you. And we get to experience your peace through trials, your peace through things that we've even created. So God, that's our prayer over our congregation today. Amen.